It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. Thank you for joining me for this very special podcast, a tribute to Willa Spicer, the former New Jersey Deputy Commissioner of Education, who passed away in November of 2021 at 86. Too young, in my opinion. And while Deputy Commissioner may have been her last official position, it in no way completely defines Willa's expansive career and her impact on the world of education and the lives of many. Willa was truly a one-of-a-kind human being with an intense passion for education, a commitment to her bettering humanity, a brain that outpaced most others, a winning smile, and a quick wit. I first met her when she hired me as a consultant when she was the assistant superintendent for the South Brunswick school system. I had engaged with the teachers and I was, I was engaging them in exploring problem-based learning as an instructional approach that would engage students in learning content. So at one point she walked over to me and we looked out on the room and she said, you know, the problem is that people don't realize that you don't use problem-based learning for assessment. It's a vehicle for teaching. And that was Willa. She would just drop these profound statements here and there as though it was a typical conversation. And of course, everybody should know this. I later worked with her when she was the deputy commissioner of education and continued to enjoy every minute I spent with her. Last year, she appeared on my internet TV show, Learning Unwrapped, with six of her colleagues, an eclectic group of women from across Willis landscape, all former educational leaders who happened to meet up at an NJASA, NJPSA, AASA Women's Leadership Conference. And they decided they weren't done yet with their contributions to the world of education. So they went on to meet regularly to discuss and implement ideas and referred to themselves as the formers. I had the pleasure of interviewing them, including Willa. And it's definitely a show worth watching. You can find that at nancysula.com. Just scroll down until you see the former's episode. Well, I have invited the former's group back to share some of their experiences, stories, and insights about the one and only Willa Faye Spicer. I'm going to begin with a woman who enjoyed a long history with Willa. She was recently honored with the fourth annual Judith A. Hoffman Humanitarian Award for her years of contributions to the field of education, which include, but are not limited to, I might add, designing innovative high schools in urban centers, international studies, assistant superintendent of an urban district, assistant commissioner of education in New Jersey, promotion of the arts, serving on countless boards, and co-authoring the book, Beloved Educators, Women of Color Who Inspire Us. Allow me to introduce Dr. Penelope Latimer. Hello, Nancy. Penelope, I believe you first met Willa when you were the assistant superintendent in New Brunswick, an urban center, and Willa was assistant superintendent in neighboring South Brunswick, a suburban center. What can you share from your early interactions with Willa? I can share that um, Willa telephoned me um, and invited me to do work with her in writing grants that would link our districts. So that was innovative at that time. And it was courageous because suburban districts weren't reaching out to urban districts and urban districts weren't necessarily reaching out to suburban districts for us to do collaborative work. Uh, And this began um, a a long history. Actually, um, Will and I worked that way from our first um, hello 
right through the entire time that she was in South Brunswick. And it enriched both of our districts. We wrote grants that brought together uh, urban dis- district teachers and administrators, particularly school principals and uh, suburban teachers and uh, administrators. And we were actually modeling um, for others who were watching us, which we didn't realize at the time, that other districts were saying, you know, how is that going? And what we found was that the educators were delighted to meet one another and to work with one another and to share ideas about how, whatever the content was, there was a lot of sharing and a lot of goodwill. We never, we never had a negative reaction from that uh, connection. But it began with a telephone call and an invitation to me from Willa. Uh, I think it's so powerful to make those connections and particularly with urban to suburban to rural. And now with the internet and the ability to join Zoom sessions, for example, we can really take Willa's passion for those connections to uh, an even higher level. So I hope that that legacy continues. That's Um, That's right. I know you have one word that sums up a core belief of Willa's that has played out over the years in her work and life. Tell us more. Well, that word in, in my experience was dignity. It really is very powerful because it was the way that Willa created a space that welcomed everyone that came into her circles. I was never um, concerned about bringing people with me to a meeting or to an event where they were going to meet Willa because this woman of substance was so inviting to everyone else. She she was a great storyteller, but she was always interested in other people's stories. And so she would have a way of, of conversing with everyone. There were some times when I would tease her and say, wait a minute, I'm the one who brought this person here, you know, <laughs> so that if she wasn't giving me enough attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Willa definitely from my knowing Willa. Willa was just about everything. She was, she, she wanted to take in every word anybody had to say, and she could run with that. And, but I, I love that dignity. And I would, I think we would all agree that dignity is a great word that meant a lot to her. Yes. Now you and she shared a passion for the arts. How did she contribute to the promotion of the arts? First of all, we always talked about the arts. So that was one hazard for people um, that if you met us, you knew you were going to hear about the arts and about education. And so, uh, as I said, she would, would integrate the arts into everything that we did. But first of all, she was someone who supported the arts. Willa, Willa went to arts events and they could be local or they could be, you know, the top of, of Broadway. So she was very interested and she was interested in an art form that we overlook a lot. And that is um, speaking and reading. That came into play, but we also would write uh, grants that would um, enrich the lives of the children and the families in uh, South Brunswick and in New Brunswick. The arts were always front and center. Of, of how we could celebrate the work that we were doing in an English um, and literacy. If we were 
doing something that was going to be a book study, we would figure out a way to bring artists, often artists in residence, uh, and that was the collaboration. Neither of us could afford the type of artists that we wanted individually, but when we pooled our monies, we always made it. And it was a way that we kept the work interesting for us also. And it was very enriching. And we we always thought not just from the youngster learner, but from the adult learner, we knew that arts would be uplifting and enriching for everyone. And, and that speaks to, uh, you, you know, the two of you pooling your funds together speaks to another quality of hers that comes to mind, her resourcefulness. Oh, you yes. know, All of her resources, including <laughs> human beings as resources. <laughs> yeah. At a time when you think about, you know, there can be a myopic focus in education on we need, you know, we need to promote the academics, that the arts can fall by the wayside. That would never happen with Willa no. and, and her passion for the arts. I mean, she was she was a Renaissance woman, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And one of the last bodies of work that we did that um, was, uh, again, Willa was always a big help, too. I always knew that I was going to be more successful at whatever I attempted by working with her. I never failed. <laughs> and so, because, you know, she she had um, such a bright way of thinking about new pathways. One of the pieces of work that we did while I was at uh, Rutgers was, and we brought in dance, theater, and music. It was really um, transformational for the teachers and the administrators who participated. Mm, powerful. Thank you for, for those memories of Willa that you shared. Um, I wanna have another colleague of Willa's join us, a woman who worked directly with Willa for years as the district staff developer in South Brunswick, and who in fact hired me as a consultant to work with the staff. She is a former, and I think that's probably how I met Willa. She is a former principal, and she followed Willa as the assistant superintendent of South Brunswick. She's a retired New Jersey coordinator of Strong and & Associates and a current trainer and educational consultant and NJXL instructor, NJXL, I can say that, NJXL instructor. And as you can all tell, I'm sure the list with this group is going to go on and on. Please welcome Joanne Kirkus. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> How are you? Good. So, Joanne, you had the pleasure of working alongside Willa for years. I mean, alongside Willa. Uh, so tell us what it was like to first meet Willa. Well, the first thing I will say is, as I was listening to Penelope, it already strikes me, as much as we talk about Willa, as much as she is part of all of us, I learn more every time we have a conversation. So not only was she reaching across lines into New Brunswick and creating bridges between South and New Brunswick, she was also moving to the other side. Willa was a bridge builder. She was a connector. County lines and, and town lines meant nothing to her. Like minds meant a lot to her. And uh, I was a teacher leader at the time at the middle school level. And I walked into a session and Willa simply was introducing the speaker. It was the first time I had ever seen her. First time I had met her. Not that I hadn't heard of her. The first time I was in her presence. And for me, in that moment, that was it. All I, I the a lasting impression of this powerful woman that I wanted to get to know better. The neat part was uh, a couple of years later, um, Willa recruited me for 
from East Windsor to come to South Brunswick as the district staff developer. And all I could think of was, oh my gosh, who wouldn't grab at this opportunity to work side by side with Willa and to be mentored by her? How, how could I ever say no to something like that? Willa and I developed what I believe is one of the most personal, valuable, and long-lasting relationships that can stem from the workplace. It was truly a trusted relationship. But I would have to say that by necessity, our relationship moved pretty quickly from being adjunct and mentor-mentee to um, peer because uh, things were rocking and rolling a bit in South Brunswick, both at central office and in a couple of the schools, and a need surfaced for there to be an interim principal. And so Willa went over to the high school as the interim principal. Meanwhile, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> where is she going? We needed to do, we needed to work together literally in tandem. My work, her work, her work, my work. And that really took a lot of planning, a lot of conversation, sharing of ideas, brainstorming, working very, very closely together. And no sooner than she finished the high school interim principalship, she stepped out of that and then took an elementary interim principalship because there was a need there. And she never gave up her work at central office. She was still assistant superintendent while she was principaling. So there came my first lesson from Willa. Titles didn't matter. The work mattered. Willa wanted always to be measured by the quality of her work. Titles had meant nothing. We were talking earlier about how some of us hold the title of doctor. Willa was within inches of um, getting her doctorate and then decided she no longer liked the topic. She no longer liked who was supervising her. And a blink of an eye changed her mind. Never looked back, never went back because it was a title and it didn't matter. She'd be judged by the quality of her work. So at any rate, I found myself working in tandem with her. And when I look back, I guess I envision us together, sort of dual jugglers. And so I want you to envision there's Willa, who threw multiple balls into the air of various complexities. And then here I was by her side, learning to hone my dexterity, learn to uh, catch the balls that needed to be caught, keep up in the air those that needed to be kept up in the air, handle those things that were sensitive with a sense of delicacy. And to do all of that in Willa's image with her insights and her integrity and her grace, what a learning experience. And so from that, I think, came this deep well of trust and hence the trusted relationship. I think Willa knew I would never drop a ball. And I knew that she always had a safety net under me. That doesn't mean that she didn't stop me from making mistakes because I made plenty. So therein came another lesson from Willa, which was to sort of not be afraid of mistake making. She used to say to me all the time, in fact, right up until the very end of her life, she said to me in the car probably, I don't know, a couple months prior, Joanne, I've learned as much from my failures as I did from my successes. She let me fail on occasion. And I took those as opportunities to learn. Yeah. When you said, you know, as soon as she started speaking and to introduce that, uh, that, that guest, that that was it. 
-hmm. I feel like so many of us had that experience with Willa. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I myself have referred to her as Dr. Willa Spicer because you would have never guessed she wasn't based on the way she spoke and the, the, the breadth of knowledge she had. But it was funny too, because Willa didn't worry so much about you know, what she wore, what she looked like, you know, the, the outside image. It's like when Willa walked in the room, she owned that room by the words that came out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. Yes. To go anywhere with Willa, it was like being, we always say she, she was known by a single name, like Cher, Adele. <laughs> when you traveled with her to any event, she, people just um, encircled her. Like it was like being with the rock star. Yeah. 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 Now, um, Willa was a legend in her career in South Brunswick. I remember she was paving innovative paths that others were longing to follow. Everyone would would ask, "What's South Brunswick doing?" You know, like it was it was they needed to know what what Willa was up to. Can you share some of her legacy moments from her work as the assistant superintendent in South Brunswick? For Willa's memorial, I um, I put together a list of um, just literally off the top of my head. I did it while I was driving in my car from one meeting to the next. And in that time, the one hour time, I generated a list of over 80 things. I never even opened a file folder. I never looked on my computer to go back in time. I just knew all those things primarily because they live. They live on in some way, shape or form they live. So um, Nancy, out of the hundreds of footprints she left behind, here's the few that I've picked out. The first one is that Willa knew that educators should not be evaluated on the basis of observation alone. That that was one, just one piece of the bigger picture. Early on, our teachers were using professional portfolios to tell the rest of the story. I remember that. It was powerful. Oh my gosh, it was so powerful. I used to tell my teachers, tell me what I don't know. I will open your portfolio and read it like a book. And lo and behold, years later, when New Jersey adopts a, a formal evaluation system for all the educators in the state, what's part of it is the professional portfolio. Woman before her time, Renaissance woman. Another thing that occurred to me, and primarily because I saw this in the paper, that the South Brunswick Women's Conference, it's an annual conference, just celebrated its 25th year. Willa began that. She was part of the inaugural conference because she believed in elevating women. That's 25 years ago. She understood the importance of that. And when the parents would say, wait a minute, what about the boys? She would say, this is for women. And invited to that conference would be the middle school and high school students, high school girls, with their mothers, their aunts, their sisters. It was a day for women by women. Powerful women speakers on that day. Phenomenal. Here's another example. She did things that I call it non-color blindness. She understood that students of color, children of color needed something different. And I'm talking many, many, many years ago. And so she was unafraid to offer in the summer a freedom school for African-American students. It was staffed by African-American teachers. Uh, The principal was an African-American male. And she ran that probably for three or four years. And the community certainly had some things to say about that. But she understood that she didn't want to be colorblind. She wanted to see color and understand 
what children of color needed. In my mind, so far ahead of her time. Uh, she told parents, give us your children at the age of four, not for preschool, but to put them into kindergarten because she believed they should be in the public school system. What do we have now across New Jersey, but plentiful preschool programs and it's growing. And I guess finally, I would say another, uh, and another thing that Willa taught me was that I should never assume as a principal that my students had traditions and rituals in their home, that I should remember, that I should be creating rituals and traditions for them in the school environment. Because for some, that might be the only place they had them. And so Willa, when she was principal at the high school and when she was principal over at Cambridge, during her time there, she, she managed to create rituals and traditions, even in those short blocks of time. One of the most enduring is a high school convocation that occurs every September. I just want you to imagine in your mind's eye, maybe the second week of school, all the ninth graders walking in to the gym, 800 strong, while at the same time, 800 seniors walk in. The ninth graders sit on the floor uh, in chairs. The seniors sit in the bleachers overseeing them. And we have this moment of the entering and the exiting and this wonderful celebrational tradition that lives on today. And in fact, it has grown. I spoke at, I was asked to speak at it a couple of years ago. <gasps> oh, what a profound experience. So she understood uh, a lot about traditions, traditions and rituals. And, um, and I took that as a major life lesson from her. And it goes back to that, uh, who Willa is, all of those footprints that she left were not just small things. They were like groundbreaking, mm -hmm. innovative. Mm -hmm. she, she connected pieces like nobody could connect yes. pieces. Yes. Now, the fact that you worked with her uh, quite alongside her for so many years, you must have a funny story or two to in interject a little humor into our tribute, no? Well, oh gosh, working with Willa, you were always, you worked very, very hard, fast and furious, but there was always laughter along the way. I'll just tell a couple of quick stories. My friends here know at Willa's Memorial, I spoke about Willa on wheels. Willa behind the wheel of a car is not such a great thing. She wasn't the best of drivers, truly was not. We've already mentioned that Willa didn't care all that much about mater the material things in this world. So cars were essentially for her necessity to get from point A to point B. She didn't worry them too much. One day, Willa had told me she needed to get a new car. You know, maybe a couple of hours later, I see her walking in the door. And she said, uh, I said, oh, where were you? And she said, I went out and bought a car. And I said, when, you, when did you do that? And she said, over my lunch, over my lunch hour. I said, you bought a car. What kind did you get? She goes, black. I go, no, the make. She goes, oh, Joanne, I don't know. All I know is when I stamp my foot down on the gas pedal, I know that at the red light, I will shoot out ahead of everyone else. That was what was important to her. The other thing that always sticks in my mind, we attended a very large funeral together. I mean, large. And she and I lingered in the parking lot afterwards. We were talking to the mourners. And, and um, as people were leaving, it was just Will and I, you know, standing there with my husband. And at some point she leans over and she says, Joanne, I don't know which car in this parking lot is mine. 
where she parked of little concern to her. Did you <laughs> tell her it was black? <laughs> she could just find the black car? Yes. What we did, my husband said to her, Willa, wait until the parking lot ends. The last two standing will be ours. And hence, <laughs> we did. That is true. That is quintessential Willa. Yes. And yet so spot on in mm-hmm. the world of education and everything she did. Mm-hmm. But the car, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Joanna, I'm going to have you share some Willaisms later in the podcast, but um, let me bring in another of the formers. My next voice to add to the tribute to Willa is a woman who served as a supervisor and principal and who is currently the director of special projects at FEA, the Professional Learning Division of the New Jersey Principals and Supervisors Association. Although she had known Willa for decades, they became colleagues and friends when Willa moved to NJPSA FEA as the director of the New Jersey Performance Assessment Alliance in the early 2000s. Please welcome Dr. Mary Reese. Thank you, Nancy. Pleasure to be here with my friends. Why don't you have, uh, tell us about Willa's days at the New Jersey Performance Assessment Alliance, because I know that was a passion of hers as well. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I first met Willa in the late 70s when I worked at the State Department of Ed and she was responsible for grants in South Brunswick. It wasn't until years later that we became colleagues and friends. Um, She introduced the alternative assessment uh, process to numerous teams of teachers and principals across New Jersey. So as a principal in Edison Township in 2003, I had the privilege of becoming a member of the team in the first cohort of educators who were introduced to this dynamic woman, as well as to her passion for performance assessment. Our year-long experience was eye-opening and had a profound effect on all of us. And so the following year, uh, I joined the staff of NJPSA and FEA and my office was right next to Willa's. Uh, What a treat it was to have daily conversations with this amazing human. Our lunchtime discussions uh, together with our other colleagues became mini think tank sessions. Uh, It's wonderful to reflect even today on the innovative projects that were created during those daily musings. And I, I, I think about that because I've had lunch with Willa and every lunch turns into a mini think tank session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just the way her mind works. She didn't want to drive necessarily, but she definitely wanted to keep innovating about uh, mm-hmm. education. Now, you also um, have a connection with her and her passion for the arts. Why do you think the arts were so important to Willa? Well, she was a tremendous champion of the arts as well as arts education. Um, She held subscriptions to uh, McCarter Theater, the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, George Street Playhouse, among others. Um, She also served on the board of young audiences and she championed its arts education advancements. And for more than 50 years, Willa and her beloved husband, Mike, hosted regular play readings with longtime friends. Um, Mike passed away in 2019. And prior to that, Willa, Mike, Gary, and I enjoyed frequent dinners and trips to the theater. 
uh, regularly, we attended McCarter. Um, and I recall we celebrated Mike's 85th birthday with brunch at the Rus Russian Tea Room, uh, followed by a performance of the Vienna Philharmonic at Carnegie Hall. We so enjoyed the interplay between Mike and Willa. It was a joy to behold. And, and after Willa's, uh, excuse me, after Mike's passing, Willa joined me and our friends, Barry included, for monthly luncheons and Broadway performances. She became an official Broadway broad. Um, <laughs> I like that. The Broadway broad. <laughs> yes. Actually, not for the podcast, but here is our uh, wine glass, Broadway broads. <laughs> Broadway broads. Did you have those made? We did. Oh, I love it. <laughs> now, and um, I know in the last few years of Willa's life, she and, and her husband, Mike, moved to your community. So you must definitely have some interesting stories to share. I know you've spoken in the past about her eclectic family. Tell us mm -hmm. more about Willa outside of work. Well, let me tell you about her family. Um, she embraced diverse relationships in her life but they also existed within her extended family. Uh, she had three children, Ellen, Jenny, and Andy, and they contributed to a wealth of very interesting and eclectic family members and experiences. Ellen, the oldest, is a teacher of students with disabilities uh, at the high school level. And years ago, she adopted a son, Derek, who is African-American and has special needs. His childhood friend, Jose, I guess they've known each other for 25 years, lives with Derek and Ellen, and he has three young children of his own. Uh, daughter Jenny is a senior manager at Deloitte, and she's married to an Arab-American and has twin boys who will be going to college in the fall. And Andy, number three, is a, profession, a professor of international business at the University of South Carolina. And he has three children, two college graduates and one on the way to college. And their mother grew up in Russia. And added to this mix was Mary Lee, her beloved sister, who was a school principal and a gifted artist. Unfortunately, she passed away in uh, 2013. Willa would ensure that everyone's interests and religions were included in all family gatherings. So consequently, they celebrated Passover, Christmas, Easter, Hanukkah, you name it. They celebrated with memorials and memorable um, celebrations. And always Muslim prayers were included as well. You know, so this the whole United Nations there. Exactly. And there were about 19 of them. And wow. at least twice a year, Willa would plan these elaborate gatherings for her clan. And she would always make sure that there was something special for each person of that 19 group. So she most recently, though, family wise, she um, was excited that her young great grandchildren um, support and enjoy dance and theater. They are gifted young artists and she loved attending their performances. So that legacy of 
the arts, once again, another Willow legacy continues with her family members. Wow, that's great. So she's had quite an influence, not only in the world of education, but on all of those uh, whom she touched within her family. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Mary. And let me bring in another of the formers, a woman who is a former assistant superintendent of curriculum and instruction from Vineland, in Vineland, New Jersey, also the executive director emerita of New Jersey ASCD, and currently a consultant. Please welcome Marie Adair. Hi, Marie. Hi, Nancy. I must say it's, it's really great fun to be a part of this panel of women uh, who I finally call, fondly call the formers. Um, we've been together, I guess, for a number of years over the course of our careers, but most recently as a group of friends as well as uh, colleagues. So about Willa, and there is so much about Willa to tell, and I guess the really great thing is that each of us can contribute stories and knowledge and experiences that we alone had with her or together with her. Well, and I know, go back to the formers for a minute, because you you came together as the formers prior to COVID. So you guys used to go out regularly and get together for lunch, was it? That's right. We had lunch together. We planned presentations together, but mostly we reconnected. And that was probably the foundation of our our being together today. And then did you keep that going through uh, COVID as a uh, virtual? We did. We did on, on Zoom meetings. Two of the formers have uh, Zoom links that, that brought us together. And we would start out. We, we scheduled a two-hour Zoom meeting. However, for at least the whole first hour, we would just talk and catch up and everybody would talk at once. I mean, it was just a wonderful experience. And then about an hour into the, the Zoom meeting, one of us would say, you know, we're supposed to be planning something we're going to present at, a, at an upcoming conference. And that would kind of change the conversation for the last maybe 45 minutes if we were lucky. I might remind you that the last time we all met when we did the uh, the former's meeting, you're supposed to be writing a book together. So now at least perhaps there'll be more of a fire uh, that you'll write the book because you can Perfect. leave it in memory of Willa. So and that know. may be the actual prompt. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. I can only keep beating on you guys for so long, but The voices that you have collectively, the stories, the experiences in the world of education, that 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 can't be left unnoticed. So I'm going to hold you to that, guys. I'm going to keep bringing you back and reminding you of that. Now, when you said during uh, COVID that you guys switched over to Zoom, I, I was going to say the first thing that popped into my head is I can't even imagine Willa on Zoom, you know, I mean, with driving a car and all. But it was but then a lot I can imagine driving the car, <laughs> and I can imagine her on Zoom because I remember when we all got together, and it was all seven of us, and that was a live show, and so I know that like the director who's backstage knew knew that if something happened and somebody, you know, had to leave the screen, that he would take them off the screen and then bring them back, and you know, all of that. It's quite a production to do a live show, and I used to, as you may remember. Uh, have a segment called what's in your mug. And we would all share a coffee mug and you know, how, why it meant something special to us and what was in it. 
And as you were going around sharing, and you know, many of us had the usual teas and coffees, but uh, Penelope over here, she actually was drinking alcohol. So she was drinking a nice glass of wine out of her, out of her cup. And it was soon after Penelope said that, and we continued talking, I see Willa get up and I'm, and I'm like, oh my God, where's Willa going? Where's Willa going? And, you know, she started to move. And at that time, I think she was walking with a walker or at least, you know, moving slowly. And I'm, I'm texting the director going like, where's Willa going? Like what, you know, like take her off screen. Like, what are we doing? And then, you know, she came back later and we were like, okay, everything is good. We'll keep going. And cause it's right in the middle of the what's in your mug segment. Right. And then I get to Willa and I get to, you know, what's in your mug and she starts to share. And then she says, and you know, I did have, and I don't remember if it was coffee or tea in my mug, but then when I heard Penelope was drinking, I had to go to the kitchen and get, you know, wine in my, in my mug. Yes. That's, that's my memory of zooming uh, with Willa. Now, you spent time engaged in meetings with Willa when she was the deputy commissioner of education. And I hear you have lessons learned from that. Do tell. Indeed. So when she was uh, the deputy commissioner, of course, Willa would have meetings and she would hold them in her office at the State Department. So one of the first times that I went to her office for one of these meetings facing you as you entered her office was a large uh, framed quote. And the quote was from A Tale of Two Cities, the opening paragraph from A Tale of Two Cities, which reads, and I'll just give you the first couple of lines because they're important to the story. So it's, uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was an age of wisdom, it was an age of foolishness. And it went on and on uh, between comparisons and contrasts of the best and perhaps the weakest or the worst of times of what could be. So this always faced you when you were in one of her meetings. And she would go through the meeting and at the end of it, people would leave. And I was always one of the last people to leave. And she'd say, Marie, come and sit down. And she'd look at the quote and say, well, which of these comparisons did we address today? And how did we do? And I realized at that point that this was her reflection of of a measure of her success during that particular meeting, how far they had advanced, if they had advanced, and what the topics were that came up that she anticipated and ones that she did not. That's powerful. Very powerful. Mm -hmm. So as I was driving home, and I always had the longest, well, one of the longest drives because I, I lived in far south New Jersey, I would think, you know, there's a real takeaway, a real lesson to be learned from that. And the lesson was, if you wanted to be remembered for doing great work, you had to compare yourself to greatness. Powerful. Yes, that, that powerful message stays with me. I think all of us will reach out and use a great quote from some famous person that connects to the message or the presentation or the takeaway that we want people to have. And we learned that essentially from her. Mm. Very effective. Well, I'm excited and humbled to uh, say that when I wrote my book, It's Not What You Teach But How, Seven Insights from the Common Core State Standards, I actually started with that same quote, oh. Common Core. It was the best of times. It was the yes, worst was. of times. Yes. And now I wish I knew that because I would love to have had a conversation with Willa about all of that around that particular quote. 
Um, You know, what many realized from their interactions with her was that Willow was indeed a storyteller. So have you got a story or two that she loved that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Anyone who spent any time with Willow began to know her stories because she had the talent of encapsulizing everything she wanted to say in a story. And that was her main message. That was exactly what she wanted all of us to learn from it. So she had a favorite which was about NSF, National Science Foundation's research piece that they were doing in in South Brunswick. And it was, I think, a first grade classroom. And the charge to these little children was to give them a bag of rocks and ask them to put the rocks in different piles for different reasons. And it was was a, a research piece on categorization and how young children thought about categorizing or separating rocks according to likenesses or differences. So Willa would walk around the room and take a look at each child's desk and uh, guess what measure each child was using to group these rocks in their piles until she came upon one child. And this child had two piles. And so when Willa looked at the piles, she could not figure out what reasoning was used to get certain rocks in these piles. So she gave up and she asked this little boy, tell me about your two rock piles. Why are these rocks in this pile and these rocks in this pile? And this child said, oh, that's easy. These are the ones I like and these are the ones I don't like. And so that became the rock theory of decision making. (laughs) And again, it was a message to when all else fails, what is it that you can live with? And what is it that you can't? That's great. That was Willa. That was Willa. And we often referred to Willa as Yoda. Many people referred to her as Yoda because of these Willa-isms. Willa-isms. That would would just drop from her mouth. I'm going to let you give a foreshadowing of things to come by sharing just two of the Willa-isms that roll around in people's minds. And probably people will never forget once you've heard them. This is true. And and the first one I share with you is one of her most commonly mentioned ones. Um, Really during our last two presentations, she chose to talk about them. So the first one is, if you want to be a leader, you need to know something. And if you don't know something, you need to be bothered by it. And the other willism that she used, actually she sent to me to make pretty in a presentation because she could only remember half of the half of the (laughs) the ism and asked me to finish it and that was move from wishful thinking to purposeful action that's how she thought and that she lived by yes she did definitely Mm -hmm. they were a part of her while we give them we talk about them you know hopefully we kind of immerse them as well right and i think she was so good at just taking big concepts and just getting them right down to a few words that would make you go, hmm. She was the greatest synthesizer. She was the greatest synthesizer, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to hear more Willa-isms later in the show. But I'm going to bring in my next guest, another former. Uh, My next guest is the former Assistant Commissioner of Education for New Jersey, I think my listeners are going to see a pattern here, right? She's also a um, 
a former assistant professor at Rutgers and a former lecturer at Princeton and instructor at NJXL. She is currently administrator in a charter school, uh, a charter school district, uh, where she is focusing on effective pedagogy and strong systems of differentiated supports. Please welcome Dr. Barry Erlickson. Hello. Hi, it's good to see you. It's great to be here today. Thank you. So Willa and I, you know, crossed paths again and again, but the first time I met her, I was that young assistant professor at Rutgers, and I had just done this major research study, and I had interviewed hundreds of people as part of this research study, including Adele, and I'd been asked to present it at a conference at Rutgers, and I was, you know, young and thought I knew everything, and I stood up feeling super confident behind this podium, and Willa, who I had not yet met, was asked to come up and discuss what I had just presented. And she comes up to the podium. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> she comes up to the podium and I'm like, oh, Willa, okay. Like in the space of time that it took her to walk to come to the to the dais and sit down, the whole mood shifted in the room. And all of a sudden, despite the fact I had thought that I was really well prepared for this. I got super nervous because now I'm like, what is she going to say about this work that I've done? Someone asked her a question and she said, you know, I think Barry is right. And that's all that I heard. That's all that I heard. And it was the most interesting, validating kind of kind of experience and, and the way that she elevated me and in that moment, and by the way, synthesized what I had said that I had taken 40 minutes to say, she synthesized it, as Marie just said, into something that was bite-sized and people walked away nodding. And I felt so much smarter as a result of that. She got it down to like three Willa-isms, right? <laughs> yes. And then about a decade later, I came to work directly for Willa at the department when she was our deputy commissioner. And, and that was... Did she remember you from the... Oh, absolutely. We had, we had crossed paths, you know, in, the, in that time frame. So I came to work for her and, uh, in the, you know, she was in the office that Marie referenced. The only constraint that she had was that I had to be within Willa's bellowing distance. She needed to be able to sit in her chair and shout my name and I could hear her at my desk and come running in with, with whatever you know, I pads and pencils and everything to, to write down like what needed to happen. She was she was a force to be reckoned with. She was a force. Indeed. I imagine that uh, she's up in heaven and still is a force. Now, I know that a favorite Willa topic of yours is her hiring tactics. So please mm -hmm. share those insights, particularly for other school and district leaders out there. You know, I think it's become kind of trite to say, you know, one of the most important things you can do is fill out the team, hire to your weaknesses, make sure that you have diverse kind of opinions at the table. But Willa really, truly had a, a process of self-reflection. It's not just that she was looking for diversity. She understood who she was really deep in the core so that when she went to hire folks, she immediately could sense in them that they were going to fill fill her gap or fit like a like a piece of puzzle. 
One of her favorite interview questions had to do with a bit of driving, which is tell me how you got to this interview today. And she would actually it's really funny that she would ask that question. Right. Because she wanted you to be able to recite the names of the streets that you followed. Right. Because she never knew what street name she was on. So did you, you turned right onto this street and turn left onto this street. But again, my first role in New Jersey was that of an assistant professor. I don't have the same sort of K to 12 trajectory towards being a professor. I was a professor first. Her strategy of hiring to her gap, like I was her gap. I, you know, she was this great big visionary person and I was there with the pencil and paper. Let's take notes. Let's chart the course. How do we get from A to B and B to C? By the time that, you know, I was charting that course, she was on Z, right? But like she, I was that part of her at the department that kind of wrangled it into a work plan and then marshaled it forward. And it was such a treat to line up behind the visionary leader and execute all of the things that she, she wanted to, to get done. And on a personal level, I had always felt that I had these deficits having not been K to 12 first and that, you know, I would sit in these rooms with these great educators and just feel like that isn't me. But because Willa hired me and, and brought me in because of who I was and what I brought to the team, that had this most Im immense validating experience where I felt full and fuller. And I think that that's one of the leadership lessons that I take away that when you say hire to your weaknesses, you're also giving someone else an opportunity to develop on their strengths. Mm, that's great. That's, that's Willa. At my company, we talk about, uh, we use the Myers-Briggs to understand the letters. It's a personality inventory to understand the letters of one another as our colleagues. And then also the clients with whom we work. And we even talk about teams and needing to know all those pieces. And so someplace along the line, someone came up with the fact that I'm a kite, so I'm flying all over the place with the big ideas. But Tanya Bosco, who's my chief operating officer, is my string because she's the one to constantly bring it down and say, here's how it's going to work. Here's how it's going to implement, blah, blah, blah. And so like every kite needs a string. So it sounds like uh, you were the string to Willis Kite. It was a delight. It was absolutely a delight. I want to pull in a thread that uh, seems to be coming through here as well. I drove with Willa once. And that was the last time. I hear you have a similar experiences uh, about her driving from your working with her. Willa and I were expected to show up at an appointment with the dean of the College of Education at Montclair State University. And if you've ever been up there, you know that the first thing that you do when you get to Montclair State is go right into the parking garage. And that then after that, you walk up to the School of Education. And it's a one-way road. And Willa missed the turnoff immediately for that garage. So, so I am sitting in the office of the dean and time is ticking by and we're, and Willa is late. And we kind of expected Willa to be late, but Willa is late and it's getting later and later. And she comes rushing in and she sits down and she says, I hope they let me leave campus. And we're like, what happened? Well, she had gone past the parking garage and now she was in front of the School of Education and she could see the garage 
from the front door of the School of Education. And the sidewalks up there are large. And so she just drove her car over the sidewalks to the garage, right? And, and campus police is now chasing her in the little go-kart, trying to get her to turn around and kids are scattering off of, off of the sidewalks. And she comes in having been now under police escort into the School of Education and, and now sits down. And, and of course, like, we're, we're just like, you know, this is before the time of Uber, but like we were just, just rolling. Like I, you know, are you going to be able to get to your car at the end of this? Like, <laughs> where is it? But she, she managed, she managed to, to cajole the, the police officers into, into helping her get to her appointment. I mean, like, Hey, I'm just going to park here and you're going to help me with this. Well, that was running through my head. That was what was running through my head is I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to hear that conversation between her and the police as they're pulling her over. Well, thanks, Barry. Yet another funny story of her driving. Uh, so my final guest to join the party is a woman I have loved and adored for decades and who, although we really, um, we're not that old, so we met at the age of two, I guess. And uh, she happily introduced me to the formers. She is the former associate superintendent of curriculum and instruction for the Jersey City School District, which is New Jersey's second largest school district. She is currently the Director of Curriculum and Instruction for NJPSA, FEA's NJXL program, which stands for Expedited, Expedited School Leader Certificate Program. So I know I keep throwing out all of the, uh, you know, the, the letters here without adding to it. And also NJTLC, which is New Jersey's Teacher Leader Cert Certification Program. She is also a published author who recently co-authored a chapter in the new book, teaching in the post-COVID era. And I might add that the virtual book launch is today. And I might also add that it is during the time we're filming this. So Adele, thank you for being here to be able to be a part of this tribute. She's had the pleasure of knowing Willa in different ways for most of her professional career. Please welcome Dr. Adele Makula. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having us today. Well, it's, it's really been a pleasure listening to everybody. Right. So you get to be, you know, like you're bringing it up now, Adele. You got to put in the stories that we haven't heard. Oh Tell us about how you got to know Willa and how she got to know you. For those of you who, who may not know in the audience, the Jersey City Public Schools is New Jersey's second largest district. And back in 1989, it was the first takeover district in the nation. There were lots of consultants coming in and out of the district. And in the early 90s, I became a supervisor at Central Office. And we often had the opportunity to sit and hear national consultants um, with come to our district and also a bunch of New Jersey consultants, leaders in New Jersey. Um, I'm sure these names will be familiar to my colleagues, Dorothy Strickland, Marion Leibowitz. I know she wasn't officially from New Jersey all the time, but Charlotte Danielson and this name Willa Spicer kept coming up in the work. And as part of my professional responsibilities at that time, we often had the opportunity to attend statewide conferences and other kind of convenings. Hearing this name, Willa Spicer, whatever conference I had the opportunity to attend, there was always a session being presented by Willa. I got to know her from afar, from the beginning. 
At the time, Willow was the assistant superintendent in South Brunswick. South Brunswick's known as a district for doing creative, innovative things. I can't remember the topics of any of the sessions that I attended from the beginning. However, I clearly remember that the rooms were always filled to capacity. There were always people standing in the hallways, kind of fighting to get in every seat that could have been empty. And it was Willa herself, note free, not PowerPoint slides with her, kind of conducting this really high level informative session. It's kind of like Willa freewheeling. <laughs> and she did that in her car. Always, <laughs> always, right? I remember telling people really early on, she's like New Jersey's E.F. Hutton. When Willa speaks, people listen. And I remember too having that same feeling as Joanne and Will, um, as Barry, that I realized I was in the the aura of, of a learning situation. And I was one of those intent listeners and um, I wanna say early followers from my time forward throughout my career. So I always, in one of the sessions I remember being part of, I thought I need to become a fast follower of what this woman knows. And I need to be able to get to know her a little bit better. Um, and throughout my years as a supervisor and um, in Jersey City, I also had some principal colleagues who had children who attended the South Brunswick Public Schools. There was one person in particular who always said, come on, we've got to go to South Brunswick. We've got to see what they're doing about performance assessments. And we have to go see what they're doing about this or that. Through the years, we visited South Brunswick a number of times. Again, I guess that was the first beginnings of how Willa got to know me as a supervisor. It was interesting in terms of the varied um, ways we came together. But again, there was still this just professional level collegial um, graciousness of, you know, accepting people from another district, sharing what she knew and helping us learn from that. Mm. That sounds like Willa. Now, Jersey City was an Abbott district, as you mentioned, in the early 2000s with the push for the whole school reform effort. And I believe that Willa was involved with you in that, right? Again, our paths cross. And at that time, Willa was the deputy commissioner and one of her responsibilities was to be in charge of these 30 what were called Abbott districts, which received tremendous amounts of funding to implement, as Barry well knew, that's where Barry and I connected, a nationally research-based whole school reform model that our schools had to adopt. But also having been state takeover district, we always knew we were under the scrutiny of coming out of state takeover. So again, we talked always about knowing the work and doing the work. So as part of these um, whole school reform efforts, there was a component where Willa herself came out to all of the districts and connect, conducted these curriculum audits where she literally came to the district. She sat in my office at the table, flipped through the curriculum guides, checked out the assessments. She came with a team of auditors who fanned out to all of the schools, checked out what the implementation of the curriculum and how it was being applied in the classroom. Were we really doing what we were saying we were going to do? It was a scary time for us because we were being monitored. We were being scrutinized. We were being held up to were we doing this correctly um, according to you know the state mandates and were we spending our funds appropriately? She checked out every 
consultant contract that we had. And Nancy, that was the time where we had come together in a professional way for consultant time in Jersey City. And she was there a few days. She came two days. The people in the district school stayed longer because we had 46 schools. And after that, she didn't say much and they left. In the weeks and months after that, I started to get phone calls from people that I didn't know. And my secretary would say things like, I have this, you know, assistant superintendent of curriculum and they need to speak to you. And this was the message. Willis said to call Adele in Jersey City. You need to see what they have in terms of curriculum. She'll give you what they have and just do what they're doing. So you brought that on it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) informally, right. (laughs) But again, uh, as Barry had said, it was kind of the ultimate validation because it was about the work and about how we could help others and how she expected us to help others. I did. Um, We invited other people to come to the district, view the curriculum. We shared our documents widely, but it was all because Willa became the mouthpiece for validating the work that was being done for students in the right way. And I love the way too, she would never pour over anybody. Like she wouldn't say like, oh, Barry, thank you for that great presentation. She'd just walk up quietly or she wouldn't say, Adele, I love what I see. Quiet, but there would be that moment of, well, Barry's right, or call Adele, that you just, that was the validation. And I think that made it even more profound because of the wait time, <laughs> you know, that it was like suddenly E.F. Hutton spoke and it was good news. <laughs> now, in case it was, yeah. Right. Now you have described Willa in the past as being tenacious. Tell me more. Our roles came together in a different way after I retired from Jersey City and we became workshop partners. Um, Maria Dare had um, asked me to do a workshop session for NJASCD. And then she said to me one day, Adele, Willa doesn't want to do a whole workshop. So could she she be part of your workshop session? And I thought, boy, is this role reversal? For years, I was the mentee and she was the icon and the mentor. And I said to Marie, absolutely, she can do whatever she wants. Through the years afterwards, we did um, workshops together. And her tenacity really was part of her being resilient. She drove herself in her later years, went places she did not know where she was going. This was before GPSs were popular and familiar. If it was snowstorms or we had floods in New Jersey. One time we were presenting somewhere and Willa was on the road at some ridiculous hour. But I think more so the tenacity came and the resilience came in the way that she continued to renew herself for for generations of new teachers and new school administrators. Um, She was never left behind. She wanted to be up on the most current topic. She was an avid reader part of our group in the later years, you know, tell me what you know, tell me what's going on there. How can we solve that problem? But there was this inside resilience that sprang forth. And I think for me, I shared this story with my colleagues that Willie used to always tell the story about how she was from Steubenville, Ohio. In my mind, Steubenville, Ohio, having never been there through Willa's interpretation was this gritty, realistic, down to earth kind of place. And so it was from those early beginnings and the stories Willa told about Steubensville that kind of, I just kept imagining her renewing and continuing on even when times got tough. 
And we know from uh, the story about her getting to the Montclair State meeting by driving across the sidewalks that tenacity is a part of her personality. I love yeah, that. I know it wasn't on my script, Nancy, but again, I could tell you stories about Willa coming to Jersey City for board <laughs> meetings as being the deputy commissioner and just leaving her car with the doors wide open somewhere on some street that she had no idea where she left it and then saying, can somebody go out and move my, find my car and move it and park it legally? So we all have Willa's stories. That is true. Well, not for nothing. It's not easy getting to Jersey City. <laughs> or finding a parking space. Or finding a parking spot. Absolutely not. Now, how did you remain connected with Willa after you retired from Jersey City? Marie had asked me to do a series of workshops at the time of Common Core. And that's how then Willa joined that, that series. And then after that, from that um, initiation, Penelope was in charge of a middle grades initiative through the Rutgers Graduate School of Education. And she had contacted Marie and Willa to do a series of workshops for her group called RISA the Rutgers Institute for Improving Student Achievement for middle grade students. And Willa and I did probably six years worth of series of workshops for middle school um, educators and administrators. And in some other, we did workshops for New Jersey School Development Council, Council that Penelope was also in charge of. So again, I think during those later years um, and those workshop experiences, the relationship moved from being professional colleagues that we then became, I would say, friends. And I came to respect and understand Willa um, in a very different way because at the same time, um, well, she was going through some health issues. I remember we were at Rutgers once and as we were walking back to our cars, she kind of tripped off the curb. And all of a sudden the next day she had fractured her ankle, which was a result of slipping off the curb. But also, um, you know, we've had illnesses and deaths in our families that kind of corresponded and our kind of relationship took became a new level of respect. This has been quite a collection of stories and insights from six women who are proud to have been affiliated with Willa in recent years as their group, the Formers. You guys are all a force in and of yourselves. It's so exciting every time I get to, to speak with you. But I promised that I would have you guys share some more Willa-isms. Joanne, if I could ask you to be the group's spoke spokesperson and share some more of those wonderful phrases, and we'll just let them sit with the audience to see how fabulous those Willa-isms are. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I think I have about 10 of them. The first is stand on the shoulders of those who came before you with the premise that when you stand on the predecessor's shoulders, you will see further and you'll be able to build on their work. She would say, do not curse the darkness. If anyone tried to blame a child's lack of progress on something beyond their control, she'd say, stop, you're cursing the darkness. What is under your control? She would tell us all the time, education is not a roll of the dice, it is deliberate. She'd say, good curriculum is forever in draft. She'd remind us to serve a student. And if we were in a position that was not directly serve a student, serving a student, then serve someone who does. Time is the currency of the schools. Never enough. 
always saying, what does this mean for kids? Whatever you were talking about, she'd follow it up with, and what does this mean for, for kids? Usually she would ask that a lot during budget time, a lot. Adele remembered that Willa would say, honor dissent. Oh, she loved dissenting viewpoints, whether it was from the students, from the staff, parents, thrived in it. Most endearing to Mary, pay the full price whenever possible. And finally, and Barry, I remembered this one so well, Barry put this forward and said, this is her most frightening Willaism. Ready, fire, aim. Those are fabulous. And I think we have to create a poster, send it around to everyone in education and every leader, because those are just, those are fabulous. And I, I love the fact that Willa knew how to use a metaphor. She knew how to use a Willaism. She knew how to create the imagery that would make us all take something away from everything she said. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you all for compiling that. Now, Joanne, you also made reference in a conversation earlier with me to your opening closing and lasting memory of Willa, the Gerbera Daisy. Hmm. Talk to me. Yeah. So on my very first day in South Brunswick, Willa carried into the board office conference room, a single orange Gerbera Daisy. And the co that colored Daisy symbolizes friendship and warmth. It was just a single one placed it in front of me. And I carry the image in my mind's eye to this day, and it almost came to characterize my time in South Brunswick. So I have made a promise to self that this spring, since that was my opening, my closing will be I will plant a Gerber a daisy in my garden this year. Um, but I'm going to make it pink because it symbolizes respect, admiration, and gratitude. And just my way of saying, you know, thank you. Everything. Well, that's going to be a hard act to follow. Mm. But Mary, you were with Willa during her final years and her final days, and I'm sure she was pure Willa to the end. So I'd like you to just share some more, and you have to include the driveway drinking story. To, to which we alluded when she was on my show last time in her <laughs> assisted living uh, center. Well, about four years ago, Nancy, Willa and Mike moved from Lawrence Township to Stonebridge, which is a senior community here in Montgomery Township. It gave us the opportunity to see each other often. So we had luncheons and brunches and dinners and lots of theater. Um, I also introduced her to shopping at Costco, which she had never done. Uh, Willa was an absolute terror with her crazy jazzy driving skills in the aisles of Costco. Does this sound familiar? I see it just but, continues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but she loved the roasted chickens, had to bring home at least two or three, the prime filet mignon and the mashed potatoes. When she finally, finally, finally agreed to get hearing aids, where did we get them? Costco. And she loved the audiologist there. In her short time at Stonebridge, uh, Willa became fast friends with the neighbors in her little cul-de-sac on Smiley Lane. They dined together and they swapped stories 
of their incredibly interesting lives. Each one of them uh, was a, an amazing person. And, and during the good weather, during COVID, when everyone else in the big house was you know, confined to their apartments, Willa and her cul-de-sac friends came outside, brought their scotch and their wine, and dubbed themselves the driveway drinkers. So what they would do was take their little chairs and move from one driveway to the other and toast each other's good fortune in living in this cul-de-sac in their cottages. During her last few months, she lost a lot of weight. And throughout her career, uh, Willa Ola shopped at Saks Fifth Avenue and spent a fortune on clothes, primarily black jackets, colorful jackets, a ton of scarves. But when she needed new clothes, I was tasked with purchasing them. And she was a very, had a very different body at that time and obviously wasn't presenting. So I went to Land's End. It served us well. And I was able to use my discount coupon, which she always kidded me about because as Joanne mentioned, anyone who knew her knew that her motto was pay full price whenever possible. And that was whether it was a car or a new suit. So we had a, a wonderful last few months of her life and uh, lots of laughs and, and silly, silly uh, stories. And it was a wonderful friendship. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Our time has come to an end and I appreciate all of the stories and insights you guys have shared about Willa. I especially love that she's a one-name person. Willa, Cher, Adele, got it, you know? You know, in my final thought about Willa, I, I want to say rest in peace, but for some reason, I just don't see Willa ever doing anything in a resting fashion. So give him hell, Willa. Barry, final thoughts? In, in, the, in the Jewish tradition, when someone passes away, we say, may her memory be for a blessing. And, and it's, it strikes me as so poignant when speaking of Willa, just this whole conversation has been about honoring her mem memory and carrying it forward with us. And so when I think of Willa and I think may her memory be for a blessing, I just am, am struck at how we know and we already have, have lived the experience that her memory is a blessing for us all. Joanne? Nancy, I want to thank you for this um, wonderful opportunity. <clears throat> I think for folks who were unable to make Willa's memorial, um, because we were in the middle of high COVID season at the time, so about 100 people or so came, but so many more wanted to be there. And I think they will so enjoy being able to listen in on that podcast, because not only will they remember the Willa they knew, but they will learn <laughs> some new things about their Willa. I guess I would say to Willa, may God speed. And of course, I'm using that word speed, thinking about her with all the car stories. And I'm wondering if that's the best word, but truly may God speed. Marie. Yes, I think by now we all realize that Willa was a brilliant and a caring educator in person who brought her unique perspective to everyone she knew and everything she did. 
So <clears throat> on behalf of the farmers, she is known as Our Dear Willa. Um, she's regarded as unforgettable and inimitable. And I would say that we had the privilege of calling her friend. Penelope. I think of her as a woman of distinction and a woman of grace. Adele. I had written here that Willa's memory will be eternal, but I don't think it's her memory. In my mind, Willa will be eternal. And I think, again, the um, knowledge and the wisdom and the life experiences she shared with all of us um, are unforgettable and will last forever. And Mary. There's a void in my heart now that she's gone. Uh, there will be no more stories, no more witty retorts, no more concern for others, no more inspiration, and no more silly trips to Costco. But I know she's experiencing happiness, happiness and joy with Mike, her family, and friends. I found this quote uh, by a poem by Maya Angelou that I thought was very fitting for all of us um, today. And when great souls die after a period, peace blooms slowly and always irregularly. Spaces fill with a kind of soothing electric vibration. Our senses restored, never to be the same, whisper to us, they existed, they existed. We can be, be, and be better for they existed. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. And I am so grateful to this group. Thank you for coming together um, today. Thank you for introducing me to the formers and allowing me to reconnect with Willa after so many years. And thank you to Willa for all that you've done for us. So that's a wrap. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Well, that's a wrap. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.